You are now listening to the official podcast of The Unsexy Startup with your hosts, Samai Parikh. And a huge thanks for Jeff Hertz and Raj Singh for helping me put this podcast together. If this is your first time listening, this podcast talks about what it truly takes to build a company and not just the highlights, helping founders instill resilience. On this episode, we have COO and co-founder of Abraxas, Josh Lawton, on to talk about the challenges of being a seed founder and quickly scaling the Series A and what it was like dealing with haters and naysayers as he started his second company. Josh, it's great to have you on. I'm excited to talk about this. So let's break down Abraxas. It's one of our most exciting investments under Quake. Um, Tell us more about what you guys are doing and how the idea came up. So the best idea and the best way to look at the market we are each heading into uh, is understanding the difference between the out-of-home market. These are the billboards, the digital signage that you see, uh, and the online market. So when we put a Facebook ad out there, we know conversion rates. We know how many impressions we saw. There's a lot of great metrics that uh, marketers and advertisers are used to getting. In the out-of-home market, uh, they don't have that type of information. So this is a key problem when you talk about increasing revenues, increasing ad spends, increasing um, validity for the out-of-home marketing space. So what we do is what we provide is a patent-pending product with software combination that allows us to know, did an individual pass in billboard, and then go into the store. So we give advertisers for the first time a full ROI on their advertising spend, and we also give billboard owners, by the way, the ability to figure out what uh, what's the proper pricing based upon uh, their success of their billboards. So it's, it's a unique model that's coming to the forefront. It's also exciting. I mean, give the uh, listeners a little bit of a, a overview of like you know what your traction was before Quake and what it, what you guys are getting into now. You're, you're almost opening up an A round now. Yeah. So, so photo slush. So we started work t- tinkering with the idea, right? Which I think is important for for any founder is the idea of uh, tinkering with your idea first and make sure it's a good idea to jump into. Just don't jump into the water uh, with two with with you know just don't jump into it uh, without doing research um we started this back in the spring when my my ceo and co-founder he built the largest digital um fleet in, inside of central texas and so he was thinking to himself how, how do i sell more billboards how do i get more ad revenue there has to be a way to prove that i'm valid to my customers because they keep on coming back to me and saying why would i want to advertise with you it's wasted money um, so they started working on this um and once we started, once we proved out the technology, once we got it to the MVP stage, and we thought we have something there, uh, we formed the company in November of 2017. We signed our first deal um, for uh, 50k uh, in January, and we have you know been gaining 20% MRR uh, month over month. So it's been uh, it's been a huge amount of traction with a lot of deals coming forward. Because once again, the minute you give somebody a way to both validate their spend and then also increase the value of their asset, it's it's a no brainer for them. Now, it's an exciting time for you, and you guys have a fast track, which is, it's rare, right? Right. Um, a, a lot of founders eat shit before you actually even get into yep. this, or it take a lot more years to get to the point where you guys are now. Um, you had prior experience with startups before this, and Justin as well, your co-founder. Let's take a step back and talk about Health Hat. What was that like starting your first company, and, and what did you go through? What were some of the unsexy challenges that you went through there. I mean, so I think it's always important to know the, the difference between when you have a side hustle and when you have a true company. So I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, we all test our toes in the water with side hustles, seeing what we like. Um, but Health App was truly one of the first companies uh, that, that I ever started, raised money for it, did all that kind of jazz. Um, one of the key things that was a lesson for me with Health App that I had to take over um, into a Braxis is 
it's hard to get money and it's hard to convince people if you actually don't have customers. It's very easy to get money uh, when you have customers who are paying for you, right? There's there's all this talk in the world, and, and, and you and I joked a little bit before we even started uh, this podcast about what healthcare is like, what working with doctors are like. Um, the reality is the best proof of your market is if you have people paying you. And one of my hardest parts at Health Ad was we had proven the market, we had gotten you know, some money to do that, uh, but getting that traction of serious money coming uh, month over month was, was, was quite difficult. So in many respects, it became more of a service company uh, than a product company at the end of the day. And, and what was the, those unsexy challenges? How did you bring that to Abraxas and how did that accelerate the process of Abraxas? You know, it, it's focusing on process, right? It, it's actually focusing on uh, repeatable action. I'm a big believer that um, the small things become big things at the end of the day. Small problems become big problems. And the only way to get to success is doing the small things right every single day. Um, and so at Health Ad, first off, uh, you, you're always going to get your bumps and bruises. So hopefully a good entrepreneur learns from them. Um, but at Abraxas, it was also saying, we know where we want to go. We have a plan for what we want to do, uh, which has been part of the success. What do we need to do right now while we have some prep time to get there? Right. So something as simple as how do we set up our Google Drive so that we have all the corporate folders right there? And how do we set it up so that it's very easy to show investors uh, a public investment folder with all their information? Uh, setting up DocuSign, which if you've never done that before, if you have a 28-page thing that people need to notarize and put information into, it's a pain in the butt. Small things like that. Right. Small things like that are the things – those are the most unsexy things in the world that are going to suck so much of your time, which is why if, if you're an entrepreneur who is more of a uh, – wants to be a thought leader or is more of a technologist, you, you absolutely need a business person because this is the type of stuff – you don't want to get yourself mired into, and that you're not going to be good at at the end of the day. And, and now you guys are at the exciting time again. What were some unsexy challenges with Abraxas that you guys were dealing with before that hot, like that hockey, hockey stick effect? So the most unsexy thing, writing writing a SaaS based contract. Uh, that is as unsexy as I think it can get. Let's dive into that because I think a lot of the founders that are listening are probably at the seed stage where they have to write a SaaS contract if they're in the SaaS business. What's the best way to go about that? What, what what can we learn? So, uh, so it helped that one of the problem, one of the mistakes I made was uh, using those legal products that you can find online. Um, sure, it's a lot cheaper, but the reality is, is I'm not a lawyer. They all of them say they're not lawyers, and so uh, one of the things that the first thing we did, we found good legal representation to be able to help us write. Um, these SaaS-based contracts. We did some of the work up front. So, for instance, when we filed our patent, uh, Justin did a ton of work before we ever got a lawyer to take a look over it. Um, and so that's how we saved money. Actually, the, the founder of Spanx, she did the same thing. Um, so you really need to take a look at what do you want your SaaS-based contract to do? And the second part about that is, um, and I love this, this, this analogy, is uh, revenue is a story, cash flow is a fact. So you also need to figure out how you're going to recognize revenue because that has almost zero significance for you as a company, but a ton of significance for your investors. Let's talk about the naysayers, the haters, right? What was it like when you started Health Hat? What were people saying when you were starting your first company? They thought you were delusional. Like, what was that like? So they, so so give give credit to some of the naysayers, right? So so some of the naysayers were saying doctors are never going to love this, and guess what? Doctors did not love it. Um, all you, all you got to do is, is, is watch Doc Vader, uh, Z Dog. He'll, he'll explain exactly how doctors feel about any type of business um, coming in into healthcare. Uh, but some of the things that the naysayers said, which were wrong, um, were the ideas that uh, you couldn't build this type of machine, you couldn't build this type of product, um, you couldn't actually get something off the ground, and you couldn't get noticed. 
that if you really wanted to do this, you had to raise uh, way more money than you ever wanted to raise. Um, and the reality behind that is uh, you don't have to raise as much money often as people want you to raise. The reality is if somebody wants to give you a million dollars right off the bat or, or at a later round, uh, they're giving you a million dollars because they think you're going to go somewhere. Nobody gives you a million dollars to burn. Um, so there's a belief in where you want to go. Just realize what it's going to take to be able to get there. And sometimes not taking that initial money is going to make you a ton more money at the end of the day. And what is, you know, you, so you, you've heard people like say like, this can't be done. You can't implement this technology. Um, and then when people saw that you transitioned out of health hat and then you transitioned into a Braxis a little later on, yeah. what were people thinking at that? What were people thinking at that? Not like it matters, right? But what were people saying to you? Like, Oh, like you did it once. It didn't work. Why are you doing it again? What was, what were some of those conversations? So it was confusion. So first off it was, it was confusion. Wait a second. What we thought you were, you were doing health hat. Um, and what they didn't know is we were we were basically selling the company off, um, mostly for for service based contracts versus a product. Um, when we went over to Braxis, and when I went over to Braxis, um, a lot of the question was, you know, nothing about the out of home market, nothing, um, which I think is a big key for a lot of entrepreneurs is understand that just like school taught you many different things when you open books, um, you can do a lot of research very, very quickly. It takes a long, long time. Um, but if you're willing to dedicate 10, 12 hours a day to understanding your market more in depth than anybody else, you will become, I hate the subject matter expert term, but you will become as close to an expert as, as humanly possible because you've looked over all the research versus somebody who might've been in the market for 10 years, 20 years. Um, and so they have relevant experience, but they have a relevant experience in a very narrow band versus you who probably has both a deep uh, and wide uh, understanding of the market. Let's talk about resilience. Um, how important is resilience to you? What do you define as resilience and how do you feel that has brought you guys to the success you are now? You know, both, uh, both Justin, my CEO and I are, are veterans. Um, and I think one of the things that we were taught uh, in the military is that most things in life are mind games. Most things in life, uh, like Henry Ford said, right, whether you believe you're going to see, succeed or not, you're right. Uh, and so if you believe you're going to succeed and you really put everything into it, um, you could fail, right, at the end of the day. Um, but you're more likely to succeed if you're willing to hustle, if you're willing to put all the work in. Um, if you're willing and you go in eyes open that entrepreneurship is not a, a you know, a five to, you know, nine to five job. It is literally for me half the time, 18 hours a day. It's something where on Sunday I'm picking up my, my phone and talking to clients who, who have an issue and want to talk to me or have a question about a product and want to talk to me. It is your life. That is exactly what you have to do. Um, and so, you know, those are the type of lessons you have to take to yourself. It's it, And that's really what the podcast is evolved around, right? Is like, like people think it's like a glamorous thing to be a founder, but it's super unsexy because of like work, working 18 hour days and working on weekends and taking a phone call Sunday night when you're just trying to turn your brain off for the next week. Um, what are some tips for founders going in at seed stage since you're right there right now right. scaling that you can give them that you just recently learned with Abraxas, um, you know, being funded by an institutional investor? So uh, what you need to understand is your first institutional investor, everybody will look at that as luck. Right? You just got lucky. Your second institutional investor is the one that validates you. So we have two institutional investors. Your first institutional investor is going to help you get um, other angels. And so what you need to understand is you need to understand how you're going to raise. Uh, and you need to be able to set your limits. So sometimes what some founders have done and I found to be, be successful is uh, with your first institutional investor, you're going to give away more of your company because 
they're going to propel you to be able to get higher valuations from other investors down the road. Um, and as long as you realize that you're going to have to scale up um, and stagger your raises, that's going to be something that's going to be highly successful for, for founders to do in the seed stage. And it's also going to set them up for success when it comes to their angel rounds, because uh, when you get to your series A, um, you're looking at significantly raising a ton more money. Um, and depending upon what your run rate is, you could set yourself up for failure if you don't have enough money in, in, in your, your seed round. And, and before we, you know, before we sign off, um, would love for you to give one advice to founders right now that you wish you learned five, six, seven years ago with your first startup and from what you know now and like, why would you give that advice? So you have to constantly be marketing yourself. You have to constantly be marketing your product. Um, and our world today, that means your Facebook becomes uh, your, your marketing platform. Your Twitter becomes your marketing platform. Your LinkedIn becomes your marketing platform. You need to create content uh, continuously, whether it's written, uh, whether it's just you know pictures, uh, and you need to be able to get published. So one of the best things we've done at Abraxas is uh, become, I've become uh, a monthly columnist at our two industry journals and then was later brought into the Innovations Committee um, as one of their members at OAAA, which is the largest outdoor advertising association in America in existence. Um, when you create content, when you create thought leadership, when you brand yourself, that's how people start perceiving you. And you have to realize that everybody could be a client. We've gotten investors from our weekly update, which is one, an update to investors, uh, an update to people who are interested in doing business with our company, but also an update to people who don't have any uh, business with us, haven't invested in us, who may want to invest. And we've gotten investors from that uh, and clients from that because they're seeing a lot of traction. They're seeing a lot there. And lastly, uh, be ready for any surprises. So I laughed with you earlier before the podcast. Um, health app got named one of the top 10 yeah, uh, you know, innovative companies, right. innovative healthcare companies well, I heard in, right, in, 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 in the nation. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, it's humbling, right? And, you know, kind of now sometimes you think, man, were we on to something? Should we sold it? Uh, but the reality is, is that if your brand can't meet your market, my brand couldn't meet the healthcare market at the end of the day, then that's not the market you need to be in. And so that's probably one of the best lessons uh, over, you know, the past decade and whatever of my, my business life. Josh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast, man. Not a problem. I enjoyed it. And I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Go Moment, Quake Capital Partners, and Startup Boots for helping me put this podcast together. If this podcast helped you or you learned something new, please leave an iTunes rating by going on the link I provided below. Until next episode, this is Samai Parikh signing out. 